Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a brand new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. This episode features Spanish director Pedro Almodovar's 20th feature film, Julieta, which was screened as part of the DGA Global Cinema Series. The series aims to spotlight landmark foreign films for DGA members and guests by presenting screenings of contemporary, classic, and independent films, as well as conversations with their directors. Julieta tells the story of a middle-aged woman inspired to reconnect with her estranged daughter Antia after a chance encounter with Antia's former best friend. The film explores the complexity of fate, guilt, and the mystery that leads people to erase those whom they love from their lives as if they had never existed, as Julieta tries to learn why Antia abandoned her after the death of her husband and Antia's father. Julieta earned a nomination for the Palme d'Or at the 2016 Cannes Film Festival. Following the screening of the film at the DGA Theatre in New York, Mr. Almodovar spoke about the challenges of making Julieta with director Jonathan Demi. They discussed Mr. Almodovar's process for casting actresses to play both the older and younger versions of the title character, how his approach to directing this film was similar to directing a Greek tragedy, and his meticulous attention to detail when it comes to which elements show up in frame. Mr. Almodovar speaks in both Spanish and English in this conversation, and is assisted at times by a translator. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming and thank you for, for the answer. Pedro, um, you've been at the Directors Guild Theater before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you, because it's you, probably always have an audience as big, but it's not normal to have an audience as big. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I, I think never is normal. I mean, I mean, I, a uh, reception, reception like this, this is always a surprise and a kind of miracle. Mm. So I never expected. So I really appreciate. Mm. No, but it's, I'm, I'm glad you, you explained me that. Mm. <laughs> and I, I want to go one step further because I, I don't know if you realize, if it's possible for you to realize, but there is no greater cinematic event in New York than the new Almodovar. There's nothing like it. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Even even Scorsese doesn't get this because he lives here. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But now in this case, you know, uh, I mean, Scorsese and I, we we make the choice of the same title. So uh, a silence because this movie, at the beginning, it was uh, named Silence because of the because one of the three stories. Of Alice Munro, the third one, uh, but also, but also in, I mean, the Saseko Endo, I mean, then the Japanese novel, 
where is based the Martin Scorsese movie is also silence. <laughs> and we, I mean, I, we hesitate because also, I mean, silence is not, on, not only the, the, the title of one of the stories, but also it's, it's something very important for, for this movie. But we hesitate, I mean, thinking at the same time, Mari was shooting something. So we decided just to call it simply Julieta. But uh, uh, so, so, I mean, just thinking about this process, silence was also the title of this movie. Right. <laughs> um, so, Pedro, instead of, um, soon we'll open it up because I know people here will have many questions. Mm -hmm. But I, instead of a question, I'd like to tell you a very quick story from my past uh, that I kept thinking, of course, even in years gone by, we've talked about Douglas Sirk together and oh, yes. <laughs> how much you love and how much I love yes. and everybody. So many years ago, in the late 60s, I was living in London. Mm -hmm. And they had a retrospective for Douglas Sirk, and he came to London. Mm -hmm. And I was friends with his biographer, John Halliday. I still mm -hmm. am. And therefore, I got to meet Douglas Sirk and spend time with him and see his movies with him at the uh, National Film Theater. So then he left, that moment passed, and then a year or two later, I was at John Halliday's house. And um, uh, Douglas's wife, Hilda, had sent an, a letter requesting the address of Peter Wolin, who was another great writer of cinema back in the day. Uh, so. John said, well, let's, let's call uh, and give him the address and we can say hi. So John dials a number uh, and Hilda answers and hello. And uh, John says, well, I've got you know, the address uh, of Peter Wolin for you. It's uh, 21 Stanhope Gardens. I was on one extension listening to this. Um, 21 Stanhope Gardens, and Hilda says, okay, and John says, 21 Stan, as in Stan and Ollie, and Hope, and then you hear the voice of Cirque, who we didn't know was on the phone, go, and, and so John says, and Hope, and you hear Cirque say, as in despair. <laughs> is there a possible connect, thematic connection with this film somehow? Um, well, let me let me ask her something else because I don't know if I understood properly. See, see, see. see. Um, well, this is a lot of pain in in this movie, and um, and yes, a lot of despair too. But um, I mean, for this mother, um, uh, you know, this kind of despair is not so. Baroque that in my other movies. I mean, this is not the first time that I make a movie about uh, motherhood and I mean a mother with problems. But um, um, comparing to the other movies, to With Volver, The Flower of My Secrets, High Heels, and you know, um, this is a more passive uh, mother. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, and I think this is because she is um, trying to struggle. Um, against an incredible sense of guiltiness. Eh, esto hace que esta madre sea, sea, sea bastante distinta de las madres anteriores y que tenga esa ese tipo de desesperación eh, sorda, digamos. Que una madre como Penélope Cruz en Volver, eh, si está desesperada, grita. 
y esta mujer es incapaz de gritar, pero hay mucha desesperación. Eh, creo que, eh, decir, no soy padre, pero me imagino que si a un padre o una madre lo abandona su hija, creo que no debe haber un dolor parecido a ese. So this is a very different kind of mother than my other mothers. Uh, she is... Uh, she definitely does feel despair, but it's sort of a silent despair. She's not a mother who screams. Um, and I really don't think there's anything worse that could really, even though I am not myself a parent, I don't think there's anything worse that can happen to a parent than what happens to this particular mother. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, the film is so gripping, and it's pure Almodovar. But we can see little salutes to Alfred Hitchcock. Is it possible? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's very difficult just to avoid uh, Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> I, I think he's just, uh, for me, it's like the man that invented the cinema. Um, so, uh, I mean, if, yeah, if you are in a train, it's impossible not to think about North by Northwest or a stranger in a train or even in the Lady Bunnies. Um, and uh, so I was, uh, I mean, I have, I have his in mind, even without realizing at the moment. No, but it's true that um, the mystery in this movie is not, uh, I mean, the suspense, it's just the fact of, of a daughter, I mean, something that leads a daughter to, to erase her mother from her life. And this is something that, um, very mysterious because that's why I didn't want uh, to put at the end, at the end, a conversation among them or even the, the encounter of these two women because perhaps they became two complete strangers to each other. Uh, and, um, and yes, I, I mean, in the way I, I shoot it, especially the, the, just the, this block of sequence that happened in the train yeah. And even even the the when Rosie de Palma appears, mm -hmm. of course, I mean it reminds uh, Miss uh, Denver's in uh, oh, in whole Rebecca. Order, yes, in everybody's Rebecca. like ah. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's because it, it's obviously someone um, that is competing and refusing the presence of of Julieta. So, yeah, yeah, it is very difficult to avoid this. And I, and I welcome always. But I, I, but I realize more after, after doing the movie than when I'm doing it. And, the, and also this kind of mystery, I, this is something that I ask to the, the composer, Alberto Iglesias, to, even that if this is a drama, this is not a mystery uh, movie, but uh, I mean, that element of mystery, it fit very well with the story. And it always remind, I mean, he was, he was creating the music, just we decided to have a Mahler as reference. But anyway, you know, Bernard Herrmann is always around there too. Mm. And Bela Bartok, this is uh, one of our reference in general. I mean, our, because I, 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 I work very close to the, to the composer of the music. The score is, of course, magnificent. It's so beautiful. Um, uh, Pedro, um, can you talk, uh, is there anything you'd like to say about your great cast? Um, I mean, everybody is extraordinary. Oh, thank you. Yeah. They are, they are 
uh, with the exception of Rosie de Palma, right. they they were new for me. Um, I mean, they are all they are professional. I mean, they are the two protagonists, um, Emma Suarez and Adriana Ugarte. Uh, they are very well known actresses in Spain. Uh, Emma Suarez, perhaps you can you can see her in the earlier movies of uh, Julio Meden mm. of the 90s. La Ardilla Roja, no sé. The Red Squirrel. Eh, sí, and, las primeras vacas en caos. Yes. And, uh, um, and, you know, since the moment that I, that I decided to make uh, the, the Alice Munro stories uh, just happening in my country, in Spain, and also, I mean, in the Spanish geography and in the Spanish culture, then um, I decided. Uh, just to divide the, um, the character into two actresses. Because, um, well, this is a way to, to, to feel very free. I mean, I was, at the moment I was thinking about the kind of extreme freedom that he always has. I'm talking about Luis Buñuel, when he did uh, that obscure object of desire, mm. that he divided the character not for ages, because he had the, I mean, the explanation is that I wanted someone young for the earlier years and someone mature just to have all that pain in the face for, I mean, for the Julieta when he's older. But Buñuel did it with two actresses of the same age, Angela Molina, for just the more passionate moments of the character, and Carol Bouquet for when the character was cold and distant. And the, and I, I always admire this kind of freedom that, that he had uh, without giving any kind of explanation. So I was concerned because, uh, because I mean, I have very clear in my mind just to divide uh, between these um, two different actresses. Uh, but till the end, you are not sure that really, I mean, the, 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 the people just see in a natural way. I mean, the, these two faces, which that they are very different, uh, but um, no. I'm, now I'm glad that I did it. I'm talking about the castings. And well, uh, besides Rossi de Palma, I also work again with Dario Grandinetti, which is uh, Lorenzo. I mean, the Argentinian man at the beginning of the movie. That uh, he almost played the same character than in Talk to Her. I mean, a man who is the best company of a woman who is in a bed with problems and sorrow and all that. And then, yeah, I mean, no, I asked him, I mean, just apologizing because the, the, the character was very similar. But really, I mean, I, I like this guy a lot. Uh, and I needed a good, I mean, very good actor yeah. to be there. I mean, not explaining his story because the movie is not about him, but uh, we have to, to see, we need to see, I mean, I wanted to see that he's the best support uh, for, for Julieta and uh, just, just walking in the shadows, trying to watch her and all that. And um, the rest, they are young Spanish actresses, beautiful, all of them. Uh, and uh, But uh, I made a, uh, an audition for all of them. I mean, even for Emma Suarez and Adriana Ugarte, because they were new for me, and <clears throat> you never know. And um, but I'm very happy. I mean, uh, so I got the feeling that many things were new for me in in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, one hand, I mean, I was inspired, 
by these Alice Munro stories um, that happened so far, I mean, very far from Spain. And, um, and even I felt very free when I was adapting the stories. Um, but at the same time, the style of uh, Munro um, demanded me to change something, I mean, to change the way of directing the movie, and even just to try to be, and it was really very, I mean, very deliberated, very restrained, and very austere. And I mean, my character is not that, I'm very Baroque, uh, and the, very, I mean, <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't know if it's just the passing of time that I'm getting older, or because uh, Miss Monroe, demands me just to be, I mean, a kind of control that I, I, I don't mean that I, that is like uh, la negación de las películas que había hecho antes. A negation of my previous films. <laughs> no, it's not that. Eh, simplemente que la, la historia de esta mujer me, me pedía casi por una cuestión de respeto con el personaje eh, la mayor contención posible. So it's actually this woman's story and, and, and sort of the, the spirit of having a respect for her pain that she required this kind of restraint from me. And, and this, this was uh, a, an incredible experience for me. I mean, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that I'm, I will keep on making uh, this type of uh, restrained drama, but it was a very good experience for me as director and also as, you know, sometimes it was funny that, that I was trying to, uh, to take away the humor. Uh, so, I mean, for example, above all with Rossi and also with the, with the sequence with Adriana Ugarte and uh, the John and very John and Tia. And during the rehearsals, I mean, like, all, <laughs> like it always happened with me, there were, I mean, the humor arrives, and it was sometimes very funny. And in Rossi, with Rossi in the kitchen, always uh, we improvised something that it was a lot of humor inside. And uh, but for the first time, I I refused that possibility uh, for the first time that I, uh, and try, I mean, not to have people singing uh, or dancing or I mean, or even try to avoid sense of humor <laughs> for the first time <laughs> and perhaps the only time in my life <laughs> well it's it's um it's everything you described just now yes i i understand what you're saying but i find it amusing that you consider this film restrained because emotionally for us yeah. it's so turbulent yeah, and no. um the the mystery is so intense and the cinema cinema is just extraordinary. Every shot you do, Pedro, is amazing. Oh. And if, it's just... Thank you. <laughs> no, cuando hablo de contención, me refiero a, a mi propia contención. Eh, no a la fuerza, eh, como tú dices, a la turbulencia de los personajes. Es, es casi una tragedia griega eh, lo que ocurre en la película. Yeah, so when, when, I, when I speak of restraint, I'm speaking of my own restraint. I'm, I, I, I am aware that it's not really about the turbulence of the feelings uh, in the film, but just my approach to it, which is almost like a Greek tragedy. 
Pero lo que, por ejemplo, lo que pretendía era, quiero decir, en la película ocurren cosas atroces. Eh, evitar verlas. Eh, por ejemplo, hay varias muertes. Eh, bueno, hay un momento en que Julieta tiene que reconocer el, el cadáver de su marido, un, un hombre incompleto en ese momento. Eh, pero eh, pretendía que fuera un drama muy intenso sin escribir, sin embargo, las secuencias eh, más escalofriantes de la historia, sino eh, toda esa parte, incluirla en, los, eh, en, los diferent, en las diferentes elipsis que tiene la película. Es, en muchos casos, un film donde cosas muy terribles pasan. Tienes, por ejemplo, Uh, the, the, the husband, Julieta's husband, uh, who is even incomplete when they find him, but I really kept all these deaths, all the multiple deaths that happen away from the camera. It's almost as if the worst, most graphic aspects of the horror of the film happens in the ellipses uh, in the editing. Pero yo creo que para mí es una historia terrible, quiero decir, en muchos sentidos. Es una película sobre la fatalidad, entre otras cosas. Because it's a very, it's a very terrible film. It's a very difficult film. It's a film that has a lot to do with fatality. Eh, al fin y al cabo, eh, Julieta <coughs> tiene una vida trágica, casi como quiero decir el destino se encarga de castigarla. Eh, pero sus únicos errores es no haber sido simpática con un hombre en el tren eh, y dejar a su marido con la palabra en la boca en el momento que descubre que se ha acostado con una amiga. Sin embargo, eh, estas dos conversaciones interrumpidas por ella, eh, para el personaje le crean un sentimiento de culpa ilimitado, eh, porque estos dos hombres, la última imagen viva que experimentaron y la, las últimas palabras que oyeron fueron las de su rechazo. Eh, y, y eso es terrible. So for Julieta, she really suffers a terrible story. It's almost like fate punishes her. Um, and the mistakes she makes are very subtle mistakes, like she doesn't talk to the guy on the train. Um, but yet she has to suffer the consequences of having, in, in this case, two men, right? One, one man um, who dies on the train and then the husband who the last thing they ever saw was her back turning on them. Uh, and even though it's not her fault, she still feels a great sense of guilt. Yeah, this touches us um, so deeply. Uh, it's a, the film is so moving. Um, Pedro, one last small question from me, and then um, we, we'll have time for a couple from the audience. So, I've night three, so I can be here until you want. <laughs> okay, so Julieta and Lorenzo go to the cinema. Julieta? They, they go to the cinema together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We see some posters uh, outside. Um, uh, did you have any hand in the selection of the posters? And do you remember what films they were? I decide everything. <laughs> I'm a nightmare for the rest of the crew, a real nightmare. 
or the production designer, I'm from, about for the production designer, because uh, sometimes I, I buy a furniture just because I want that furniture to be in the movie. No, of course, I mean, I, I decide the moment when they go to the cinema. And also it was for me a, a way of represent that she's still in contact with a kind of uh, happiness. I mean, she has a man, they go to the cinema, and then that was around like uh, 2011. Then I, I make the choice of two movies that we could see in Madrid in that, because this, the place where they go is, is an art house. And then I, I just make the choice of two movies of uh, 2008. It was A Separation uh, from Asfar Faradi. Uh, and, the, and the other one is Winter's Bone, that it was one of my favorite movies of, of, that, of that year. And also trying to be, I mean, realistic, that it doesn't matter because, you know, <laughs> I mean, nobody knows what kind of movies they release in, this, in these theaters in Madrid. But uh, I make the choice of two movies that I that really love of that moment. Now, now in these cases, you know, I mean, just... Uh, this is very important for me. I mean, just to, for example, when, when just the decoration, I mean, we see it at home, uh, at the beginning, that is it's in an empty place. White means just the absence, a big absence. Uh, I think this is the first time that I, that I use um, white walls. And uh, after, when we see her, that is much more animated, Julieta, then we could see three posters in the, on the walls that they, I mean, they represent that she's much more interested in keep on alive and enjoying, mm. just to go to the theater to see um, um, the, the old couple. Um, but Wilson, she, she also went to London because that's the division, it was in London of Lucian Freud. It was his last exhibition of portraits. And also they were uh, close to that, um, a painting of one hyper-realistic Spanish uh, that, I, that I love, uh, Antonio Lopez. And what I try with, with something so simple as to put, uh, I mean, a poster of one exhibition, is just, I mean, to explain that about the character, but also to have a kind of interaction between the character and, for example, Lucian Freud, when she's like, cuando está escarbando en la papelera, tratando de buscar el sobre. When she's looking through the drawer, trying to find the, the blue envelope. Yes. I have only the face of the actress and just Lucian Freud looking at her. And then what I mean with that is that uh, this is always things and details that I decide in advance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I take it with me or I have it at home or I look for it and then and I impose the production designer because they really, everything that we see in the, in the movie, even, even I, um, I mean, I decided uh, just the books, even we don't see the titles, but I'm very obsessed with these things. <laughs> Uh, and now that you can see in a DVD and you can stop the image and even you can read the, the titles, I hate the idea that um, there could be titles that they, that they don't fit with the character. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's crazy because, you know, I mean, you know how is the dynamic of one of being shooting, but um, 
I, so I prefer just to take with me from home on the, the books and everything like that. Mm. And sometimes this is a nightmare for the production designer. Yeah. I think that's the best little question I ever asked. Um, so, Pedro, um, uh, just please know that it's a great honor for us to be with you at the Directors Guild of America Theater tonight, talking about your brilliant new film. Um, you are absolutely one of the great filmmakers of all time. You're an adorable human being. And you're so generous with, with what you've shared with us. I can't believe it. Nobody wants to leave, but they're making us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks to you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel at home here. You know. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this DGA Q&A. Check out past episodes of the podcast by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org slash podcast. We'll have a lot more episodes coming your way over the next several weeks, so stay tuned. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Director's Cut on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening, and you'll hear from us again soon. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. <laughs>